Welcome to Alchemy Uncensored, a podcast presented by Alchemy Search, a team of professional financial and tax recruiters. Our podcast is dedicated to providing valuable insights into the financial and tax sector of the UE by discussing the challenges and opportunities faced by employers and job seekers. Alchemy Uncensored is the perfect podcast for those looking to gain a competitive edge in the finance, accounting and tax industry of the UE. Stay informed on the latest job market trends, developments and conversations to stay ahead of the game. Tune into our podcast to be part of this insightful conversation. Hello everyone, I'm Wian Kamel, Principal at Alchemy Search. We are an only finance and tax recruiter in the UAE. And I'm joined today by Fazila Gopalani, who is a recognized business leader in the Middle East region currently heading up the Middle East operations at ACCA, the prominent accounting qualification worldwide. With a background in finance and accounting, uh, she has gone from doing the numbers herself to advocating more accountants to qualify. Fazila was named one of the Middle East top 100 most powerful businesswomen 2023 in Forbes, amongst top 35 women of influence in the Arab world by CEO Middle East, and the list goes on. She is a huge supporter of women, a mother to two beautiful children, a wife, and an ambitious role model. Fazila, thank you so much for being here today. How are you doing? Very well, thank you, and thank you for having me, We am. Yeah, no problem at all. How do you feel when you hear that kind of intro? I mean, like, if, you know... If... Very humbled and very grateful um, for the recognition of the achievements um, that I've done across the region um, with my career. So, yeah. yeah. Very grateful. I'm not going to lie. I was really, really excited to do this with you. Um, I love talking to you anyway, podcast or no podcast. So uh, I think this is going to be quite an interesting episode um, for everybody listening. Um, So just to give a bit of summary about what we're going to talk about today, um, you know, an introduction about yourself, a little bit about the ACCA, what's going on in the region. And we're going to touch points on a few things to do with women in business as well, given that you're such a prominent leader within, you know, women in business world. Um, And I think it'd be helpful for a lot of women out there in our network to hear it from you, you know, all the struggles, all the obstacles and so forth. And so with that, we can just jump straight in. Um, Let's talk about, you know, a a quick career uh, overview so far and how you got to where you are, because you were doing the numbers, you were an accountant yourself. Can we start with that and like how that changed into you being the head of ACCA? Yep, sure we can. So accounting's in my blood. Um, my father was born and raised in Malawi, which is in Africa. Yeah. Uh, and he came to the UK in the 1970s to study ACCA to become a chartered certified accountant. Um, I was born and raised in the UK, went to University of Birmingham, did an accounting and finance degree. Accounting was in my blood, wasn't really given a choice what career we were going to go into. Um, I then left university and started my ACCA qualification to become a chartered accountant. I did apply to the big four. I didn't get a job at the big four. My father was over the moon Mm. about it because he wanted me to join his accounting practice. And as they say, God is the best of planners. I actually started working with my father. And four years later, my father passed away from pancreatic cancer. So I had to take over running and managing the accounting practice. Uh, 350 clients, a team of 15, which were all men. How, how old were you? 23. 23. 23. Okay. Wasn't even wow. a qualified accountant then. Um, I was still studying and doing my ACCA exams. Had two children 
Ran the practice for seven years, alhamdulillah, grew it, made it a success, and I sold it um, to come to the UAE, the land of opportunities, because my husband had moved out here. Came to the UAE and I decided I didn't want to be an accountant anymore. I didn't want to look at one more balance sheet or profit and loss account. (laughs) The kids were young, so I thought, okay, what shall I do? And I got into corporate training. Mm. I started lecturing for two British universities on their MBA program. Um, I started lecturing on ACCA qualification on two subjects, tax, which was my forte, and on corporate reporting. And that led me to becoming um, a senior manager at PwC Academy, where I sort of headed up the ACCA qualification. And then that led on to um, getting recruited by ACCA to become their head of education. And for the past three years, I've been the head of ACCA in the whole sort of market, which are the 11 countries across the GCC in the Middle East that we look after from the UAE. Yeah. Wow. So you come from a family of accountants, like you said. So, you know, was that move from being an accountant to kind of getting into a business where... You know, it's totally different, right? Your career from what it was before. Was it difficult to make that choice? Yes. But what I believe in is that when opportunities come to you, come your way, um, grab those opportunities. Yes, I do sometimes miss the accounting and finance world. And I think, oh, you know, could have still been a CFO looking at the numbers and the spreadsheets and, you know, um, doing analysis. But I look at my life now and I think I'm a leader of a team. I'm leading a team. I'm leading a business unit to grow, whether that's revenue wise, you know, contribution wise. But also at ACCA, I'm making a difference. ACCA gave my father the opportunity to leave Africa, to come to the UK yeah. and to set up his business, to be an accountant and having and have an accounting practice. For me, ACCA gave me that opportunity to manage and run his accounting practice mm. after he passed away. ACCA then gave me global mobility and showed me the global reach that those four letters could have for me. When I came here, it was because of my ACCA that I got all this corporate training work. Yeah. And training and speaking didn't just come naturally to me. It was, you know, nerve wracking to go into a completely new field. But at the core of everything I did was talking accounting, was talking about tax and corporate reporting. Um, And I love where I am now because I know I'm making a difference in people's lives. When I see them doing ACCA or if I see projects where we're upskilling Emirati nationals, Um, to equip themselves with becoming technically competent in the area of accounting and finance, that gives me joy and happiness. Yeah. And before you move to the UAE then, because I know that, you know, this is quite a, this is a question I ask, you know, a lot of people that, because we're expat driven here, right? So everybody had an idea of like what the UAE is like before moving to the UAE and then, you know, gets culture shocked maybe or that perception kind of changes when you're out here. What was your perception of the UAE were you like oh it sounds amazing I'm gonna go there or was it like "Mm, should I do it I'm gonna try it out and see how I go and maybe I'll go back to the UK who knows so I've been here 16 years and initially we thought let's test it out and let's see how it goes Um, but when you pass the five-year mark that's it and I think from the minute I landed um, (laughs) in the UAE you know UAE has become home Uh, I don't think of the UK as home anymore. Uh, Alhamdulillah, you know, 
the safety element of living in the UAE, the work-life balance that we have. It's an amazing um, country to raise your children in and to yeah. have a family. Yeah. Um, every time I land at the airport, at Dubai Airport, I've, the first thing I say is, Alhamdulillah, back home. And this is what home is to us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the region excels in various things. So you just mentioned, you know, safety, just work-life balance, maybe not all the time, but, you know, if you find yourself in the right role, yeah. um, that definitely is there once you've proven yourself, etc. So, you know, that's, that's definitely there. And I think that attracts a lot of people. Um, I think it's attracting a lot of people now mm-hmm. as well, more than ever. I mean, the number of people that we see moving into the region, even just this year is crazy um, from the UK, from Ireland, from Europe, from the US, everywhere, you know, all eyes on the Middle East, all eyes on Dubai or the UAE predominantly as well. Um, so, you know, for you as a woman leader as well um, in the Middle East, what would you say were, you know, the most significant challenges and opportunities that you faced, you know, climbing up the ladder? Because that's quite different to a business leader in the UK and yeah. a business leader in the UAE, right? Yeah, yeah. So being the only woman in a room full of men in Saudi Arabia, for example, in a meeting where you're the only woman in that room. Um, but what I have seen in this region is the men are really respectful. Mm. And I believe that this is the place for us women to get ahead in our careers, to get into leadership positions. And that's because of Sheikh Mohammed's vision, what he's done with this gender balance council that there is. Um, wanting more women in senior leadership government positions to help with the development of the country. If yeah. the ruler of a country has that mindset and has that vision, then who are those CEOs and leaders of all the other companies? Yeah. Um, I do see that this region is changing and it has changed in 16 years that I've been here. They're more welcoming to women in senior leadership positions. Um, education and the access to education for females here to help upskill themselves to develop themselves culture culture always plays a part right and but that's also changing because um with regards to islam the prophet's first wife was a businesswoman so that says it yeah, all she's a merchant said, right yeah, or she, yeah, yeah 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 so she was a businesswoman um And we see formidable, amazing women across the region in senior leadership positions who've got the education, they've got the experience, they've got the confidence, they're eloquent, they communicate well. And so I believe it's our time and I believe this is the best region and place globally for us to make that mark as women and to go up the career ladder. Yeah, I felt it as well. Like I'd say in the last five years, probably... Uh, it's changed a lot in terms of the opportunities for women. Yeah. Um, you know, this is not on, you know, we, we didn't discuss this before, but I'm just going to put this question out to you um, because I think it's quite interesting. Um, and I've had this conversation just today with someone. When there's, for example, in recruitment, when we have two profiles identical, uh, technical ability is exactly the same, mm-hmm. you know, personalities both, you know, fit well. Right now, the difference is most probably the woman's going to get the job and not the man, whereas probably five or 10 years ago, it was the other way around. So what do you think about that? Do you think that, you know, 
the Middle East clearly has worked very hard to get to this position yeah. where diversity is on the top of the agenda. Um, but that's amazing, isn't it, for, for women? That's why it's our time now. Maybe five years ago it wasn't. See, many people don't believe in quotas. I do. Because mm. without quotas, things are not going to change. And all companies or global companies, they all have to say how many males to females they have within their organizations. And that's why if the organization doesn't have enough males, they're trying to now recruit females. Yeah. And, but that's the only way change is going to happen. I don't want to be here in 10 years time talking about the same thing, about us not having opportunities available or us not being recruited into positions or there's a gender pay gap. You know, my daughter's 18 years old. I don't want her having these issues. In 10 years time, I want it to be equal wherever she's going. Um, but I do believe that now is our time. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, for us, our office was, you know, an only woman's office. Like, it goes both ways, right? Yeah. It was an only yeah. woman's office for probably a couple of years. Um, and now I think that our culture at the office is 100 times better because we have that balance. Balance goes both ways, either for males or females. Diversity I 100% is... agree. And, and diver diversity is both ways. I don't think there should be a male-dominant organization or female-dominant organization because both parties bring a different perspective. What I believe is that we don't need to man it up to get into the boardroom or leadership positions. There's no need for us to man up. What we need to do is woman up. We need to bring our own skills and competencies and um, the advantages of having us in those senior leadership positions. But you also need the men on the table. Yeah, 100%. Um, as a woman, of course, you cannot deny that, you know, things are a little bit more complex, not from a corporate environment, I'd say just from, you know, kind of balancing out family, you yeah. know, your responsibility as a wife, or your responsibility as a mother, your responsibility as the head of the ACCA. How do you juggle all of that? Right, so... Um They're you're always running around in circles, just to let you know, by the way. <laughs> you're always running around from one thing to another. So, yeah. I compartmentalize. So I compartmentalize. So you've got a box that's your career and your job. And then there's a box that's your family. And then there's a box that's your friends and your other interests that you have. Um, the art of delegation. I delegate a lot. Okay. Number two, you can't have it all at the same time. Mm. I don't believe that's possible. Um, I also have run a tight diary. So everything's in the diary from my workout in the morning to every single meeting, half an hour, one hour is booked out during the day and what I'm doing in the evening with the children. I think it's about being present with the children, but it's not easy. There's a lot of juggling to do, but you've got 24 hours in the day. And I watched this... Um, video of Muhammad Ali talking about 24 hours in a day. And since I watched that, it changed my life. So you've got 24 hours, you sleep for eight, you work for nine. So that's already a significant amount of your time gone. Another two or three hours of eating, traveling, getting ready in the morning, etc. So how many hours have you got left then? It's about three, two hours that you've got left of the day. What are you doing with that? So It's about looking at your day and managing your day. And that's what I do. I manage my day and manage my time and I manage the conflicting priorities around me. Um, most of my team and most of my friends know I live by a motto. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. 
Yeah, we planned this gone. podcast for like three weeks or <laughs> four weeks. Well, you canceled on me last week because of the I IGs. <laughs> Hopefully that was good. So it all went well from yeah. that side. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I religiously follow my diary as well um, because if it's not planned and it's not there, it's really difficult to move around it because there's a million and one things going on. But, you know, time management definitely is, uh, you know, a skill. I think every woman, especially if she has a family. Yeah is super, super, super important. Um, and, you know, it, it's not like you're going to figure it out right away either because after some time you start figuring out what works and what yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and then coming up with a system that actually works for you to be able to manage all these things together. Um, but it would be quite interesting. Like we spoke about family a bit and I think that uh, an interesting thing we hear a lot in the market, especially if people moving here with families, etc., is that they're not quite confident about raising a family here. What do you think about raising a family here? I think it's the best place in the world to raise your family. Safety. The activities children get to do while they're growing up here are phenomenal. You go to the beach, paddleboarding, you've got horse riding, you've got golf, you've got every single sport that can be done all year round. In the UK, most of the time it's raining. You know, you go and play football at the weekends, it might be raining. Um, I think this place is an, a wonderful place to raise children. Also because, think about this, how many nationalities do we have in the UAE? Approximately 200 different nationalities. Our children are going to schools here and they're not just with people from Birmingham people that are made of the same cloth, that have the same family values, the same upbringing. They're mixing and becoming friends with so many people from so many different nationalities. That's phenomenal. That's going to make that child culturally intelligent. And emotional intelligence is important. But in this world that we're living in right now and how small it's becoming and how connected everything is, Cultural intelligence is very important. And our children have got a head start on that before they even get to university because they were raised and lived and grew up in a place like the UAE. Yeah, I think that's, you know, statistically speaking, I don't think that there's anywhere in the world that has that much diversity, yeah. especially at such a young age. Um, like I've gone to school with Lebanese, Syrians, you know, different Arabs, Brits, um, I went to school with South Africans. I went to school with like Colombians even. Yeah. And it was such a big, diverse group. And I think you're right. It teaches you how to understand different difference mm -hmm. and to be okay with difference. And to respect it. Yeah, to be okay with difference. Yeah. It's okay, you're different to me. That's not, I'm not going to judge you based on that yeah. because I'm used to things in a certain way. And I think that's, honestly, I think that that's something in this region that is so beautiful. Yeah. Um, not just in, in school setting, I think even at a work, work setting. setting yeah. um, where else in the world can people say that? I mean, I had a conversation, I think I told you this before with someone, I think in Abu Dhabi, someone that um, he was, she was saying to me that, you know, her daughter comes through the door, like after school or whatever, with three or four of her friends and, you know, one is Swedish, you know, one is an Indian and the other is an Arab. Yeah. And she was a Brit. And it's like the most beautiful thing ever because they're all, you know, connecting and it's a beautiful thing to see. And I don't think that there's a lot of places in the world that can offer that. Yeah. Um, okay, lovely. So 
We spoke a bit about, you know, you coming here, what it's like here. Tell me a bit about the ACCA. The ACCA is doing amazing yeah. things yeah. in the Middle East. Tell me a bit about that. So ACCA is the global body of professional accountants. We have 247,000 members, yeah. 526,000 future members across 181 countries. So as a profession we think ahead we're leading the accounting profession and our purpose is to be a force for public good and we do this by leading the profession by creating opportunities so in the middle east region we look after around 20,000 future members and members across 11 countries we work with different stakeholders be that national bodies the public sector the private sector educational institutions and what we're doing is supporting the development of the accounting profession and individuals to become qualified chartered certified accountants yeah and how do you see that development happening here because obviously oh. you've been here for quite some time with yeah. them so and the accounting profession is changing drastically um how do you see that development happening i think it's fantastic to see the development across the region if we think about tax corporate tax has been implemented here in the UAE VAT started a couple of years ago at a phased approach across different countries um technology artificial intelligence is all changing the finance function and the way work is done um sustainability ESG has become a important topic yeah. for finance professionals now as well. Um so it's exciting times we we see governments being interested in developing the accounting professions and we see the importance of ethics and trust and transparency coming out. We do a lot to support public sector employees with the um management of their public financial management. So is exciting times and the region is all working towards mm. um supporting the development of the accounting profession. Yeah. And when you say looking after members and future members, like what does that mean? Like what do you do for them? So, we raise the profile within employers of the benefits of having a qualified accountant on board mm. versus a non-qualified. What is it that they're bringing to the table? Uh we work with students across many universities at showing them that you know when you do a 3-year degree you're not a chartered accountant you have to do a qualification to then become a chartered accountant um we work with members at holding events for them to update them because they have to do continuous professional development and there are also networking opportunities for them to meet each other to learn further information whether that's about tax or digital transformation so there is a lot going on at ACCA and what we do across the different stakeholders yeah i came i think to a couple of events that you guys did a lot of events you guys are probably the most active from an active. events perspective i don't know that's just my perception it could be completely wrong i don't yeah, know yeah so our members need networking yeah. they want to meet different people and we're social creatures You know, COVID, us sitting opposite a laptop. It's over. You know, it's seriously <laughs> over. We need to meet people. We need to talk to people. And that's the best place to learn in a room with a subject matter expert talking to you about corporate tax and how you need to support getting your organizations ready. I mean, a big initiative we have in uh, the Middle East is women in finance. Obviously, being a woman in the finance field is an area I'm very passionate about. 
personally passionate about, but I do believe there's an important agenda behind that on supporting the government with women empowerment. And we're launching our women in finance now in Saudi, in Qatar, we've just launched it in Oman. And we're it's the whole program is about how to support women with progressing in the finance field. Okay, so I'm going to drill down on a couple of things there. I'd be, you might have the numbers or maybe not, I don't know. But um, do you see a rise in number of women that are part of the ACCA networks or part of, as of the ACCA members? How have you seen that change? Yeah, so globally, we have a, we're now at an equal split between men and women. 50-50? Yeah, it's about 49-51, but it is very close Right. Regionally, it's not too good. It's still quite male-dominated, um, quite a lot male-dominated, and there is further work to be done in that area. But we are working on promoting um, to more females across universities in Saudi or Oman or here the importance of going into the workplace. The thing is, there's loads of women who study accounting at university. They don't all go into the workplace And that's where we lose them. And what is it that can be done there to support these women to go into the workplace and to have careers in accounting and finance? And that's an area where we have roundtable discussions on. We see what there is that we can do to align with governments, to align with employers, the flexibility to have part-time jobs. Um, there's a lot of work still to be done there. Why, why do you think, just not women, just generally people, they just don't qualify like why do you what do you think happens when someone goes does their degree in accounting they graduate they might not know that they need to you know get qualified but why do you think people just don't because I come across that a lot right we yeah, come across people yeah. that it depends on what part of the world you come from like for example a lot of Europeans just don't they don't qualify and um, you know, bar the UK, I'm talking about, well, Brexit. So anyways, it's not in the, it's not in <laughs> Europe anymore. But I mean, you know, uh, French, uh, the Swiss, um, the Swedish, you know, just generally in Europe, they just don't qualify. They probably do their master's degree. They don't do the qualification. Um, I think in the Middle East, people do, like Egyptians do, Lebanese people do. Um, but why do you think that, you know, people just don't qualify what do you think goes through their head not to number one it's a long journey it's 13 exam papers another three-year commitment post-university to become a chartered certified accountant number two in all countries around the world you don't need to have a qualification to work as a finance professional and a master's is enough for that even a bachelor's is enough But we see what happens when you don't have qualified accountants, you know, the type of information, data that you're getting out of that. So it's all different countries are different. Um, but I think the world is changing and you see a lot of national bodies, which means mm. bodies and associations set up by a country to support with the development of the accounting profession, who then are mandating To work as an accountant, you have to have a professional body membership. So, for example, like, is it like, I don't know, SOCPA in Saudi? Saudi. So What's Sokpa the equivalent Saudi, of that here? The UAE AAA okay. here. In Jordan, you have JACPA. In Egypt, you have ESA. And you see there that, they, that their own people are becoming members of that. Now, to become a partner in the big four in Saudi, you need a qualification. 
be that SOCPA, be that ACCA, whatever it is, it's a qualification to get there. That's the role of employers to dictate and also mandate what is it that they need from the individual. Yeah, because we see it in our profession a lot, right? Because we're finance recruiters, yeah. so uh, we get two different sides. We get your uh, CFO that wants a qualification. We get your CFO yeah. that is like, well, you know, I'd be quite open as long as they do well in their test or qualified by experience. Um, and I think there's a place and time for both, but I always advise candidates to go qualify. I mean, uh, sometimes we get um, uh, candidates reaching out from the UK, maybe they're part qualified and they're already starting to look for jobs. And we say to them, well, finish your qualification. Yeah. Once you do, then it's good time to move here. Uh, because more times than not, employers ask for that. And it makes them stand out from the crowd. It then further validates their technical competency. Yeah. And on a yearly basis, when they're a member of a body like ACCA, they have to do continuous professional development and prove that and send it to the UK to keep their membership, which then proves that that person is updating themselves with current affairs. I mean, if I was a CEO of an organization, if I was a CFO of an organization, I would 100% mandate that the, my finance team has to have a professional qualification. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think nine times out of 10, that's a requirement. And the thing is, it gets you through the door for an interview. Yeah. Makes that's all you out. need, right? Yeah. Because once you yeah. get in, it's on, it's on you. The yeah. conversation, you know, it's not going to be uh, about, you know, uh, anything else. It's just going to be you carrying the conversation. But a qualification gets you through the door. I've been helping a lot of candidates um, over the last five years try to get some interviews, but they're not qualified. Maybe they've gone past that time in their career. Um, you know, maybe they're in their 30s or something like that. And, you know, I say to them... It's never too late. Yeah. I agree. Because I say to them, well, you know, they say, well, I mean, you haven't put me in any process. And it's like, I know that your experience is good. I know that you're you know, you're qualified by experience, but this such and such client yeah. just won't look at it. Yeah. Um, and if you just do that, the opportunities go from 10 to 100, yeah. you know, and you're just try you're making it more difficult for yourself not getting qualified because the opportunities yeah. just naturally decrease, right? Mm. Um, so I find that quite interesting. Um, so with the ACCA, what events do you guys have? that's lined up, you know, in the next half of the year, like the next five months, let's say. So we've got events for our ACCA members on corporate tax coming up. We've got the UN World Investment Forum that is happening in Abu Dhabi the week of the 16th of October. There's a lot going on, a lot of... Um, ministers and individuals from the public sector globally are coming to Abu Dhabi for this uh, UN World Investment Forum. And then we've got COP. So there's a lot going on with COP28. All roads lead to COP28. Yeah. <laughs> and then we've got a Women in Finance and Sustainability during COP week. So we've got a lot going on for our members, um, but we're also collaborating on other events with other sort of organizations. Anything happening in Saudi at all? Or Yes, we're launching our Women in Finance. We're actually opening an office in Saudi, which is the first office out of the UAE that we're opening. Are you moving to Saudi? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Saudi is an exciting place to be in right now with the amount of projects they've got going on, be that Neom, be that Al-Ullah, 
um, the sort of adventure tourism that they're doing, the funds that they've gotten upskilling Saudi nationals, uh, the Saudi Vision 2030. It's exciting times. And that's the place to be right now. Yeah. I mean, you've been to Saudi. Yes, many, many, many times. Yeah. And you guys are opening an office this year or in the next, next year? couple of months. Okay. Wow. Exciting yeah, times. Yeah. Yes. Big time. Uh, because there's a lot of also Saudization happening. And I know that also within the space, like finance space for women, it's yeah. massive. Huge. Um, we've struggled a lot with talent in Saudi, yeah. especially with yeah. women. Um, and for some reason, a lot of our clients, especially in Saudi as well, we don't work too with many of them, but we have had a couple of interactions over the last, I think, three years. Um, but I think that they struggle to find talent. Yes. And qualified talent. And they all want the qualification as mm. well, specifically mm. Sokpa. So I don't know. It's difficult. And that's where I said you get thousands of females at universities, but they're not going to do a qualification or not going into the workplace. So there's an, a high attrition rate there. Yeah. And that's where we have to work with the government to see what can we do to support to get more females into the workplace. Yeah. There's still a lot of work to do there in that region in order to see that movement. And I think that's what's exciting about being ACCA and being in that place is that what can we do to support that shift and move yeah. as a professional body? Yeah. Best of luck with it because, yeah, I think it's been difficult in the UAE as well to, to have that growth. But I think Saudi is going to be cherry on top Yeah. Um, with that. So thanks a lot for all that, Fazila. I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, And I wanted to ask you a few things, um, maybe just to end this on a, on a very, I think, um, uh, you know, light-hearted note as well. Um, so, given you're a mother of two children, mm -hmm. what do you enjoy doing in Dubai in the weekend with your kids? Activities that keeps them away from their phones <laughs> and that makes them Good. present in the moment <laughs> with me, which could be trekking or hiking in Korfakan or Hatta. Oh, I which love could that. could be going paddleboarding or kayaking on a Saturday or Sunday morning. Um, and if it's too hot, then going indoors and playing badminton. But something where we're doing an activity together, yeah. where nobody is busy on their phones. Yeah, that's good. Cut down screen time. Yeah cut down screen time um so you've recommended so many books to me in the past and by the way i'm still like reading yeah. well not reading them they're on audible so i i'm hearing them yeah um what's your favorite book or maybe what's the book book you're reading now you read a lot yeah um right i'm going to give you my top three okay one becoming by michelle obama yeah. absolutely loved it i, I do <laughs> listen to all of these on audible Number two would be My Life in Full, Indra Nuhi, the ex-CEO of PepsiCo. Absolutely loved her book. But I think by far the, my favorite one right now, which I've just finished reading, is Unapologetically Ambitious by Shelley Archambault. And I actually did message her on LinkedIn today when I finished <laughs> it. <laughs> um, a phenomenal, amazing book I, like, that she was reading to me every morning in my ears because I listened to it on Audible as well. Yeah. Um, and I would highly recommend that to women out there that want to succeed in the career place, that want to go up the ladder. That yeah. was phenomenal I've book. just started that book just when and you told me I think, a couple of weeks ago. So I've been listening to it. So I'm like quarter way through, I think. Um, 
but it's it's excellent and it gives you hope yeah yeah big time it gives you a lot of yeah. hope um so you also mentioned that you know being in dubai there is a stone's throw throw away uh, many countries you know you could travel very easily where would you say is your favorite country that you've visited that's not too far away from uae um switzerland Okay. Interlaken specifically, not the cities. So Interlaken is a city between two beautiful lakes. And the reason I love Switzerland is the endless scenery, uh, the valleys and the mountains and the lakes and the waterfalls. And the you could just get lost walking or cycling How far is it for from hours you? away. Five hours. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll take very that. Far. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but yeah, that's my favorite place. Okay. Amazing. Well, I hope everybody has enjoyed that and um, that Fazila gave a lot of insight about the Middle East, what's going on with the ACCA and what's it like being a business leader in the region. Um, so thank you so much for being here. I've got a gift for you, though. You saw it, didn't you? <laughs> I was thank hoping you. that you didn't. I was just hoping. I hope there's some healthy stuff in there. I can there see the is. waffle. <laughs> thank you. Here you go. Thank you very much. Thank you. Wow, lovely. Waffles are great. The scones are great. Oh, stay yes. away from the fruits. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, thank you, everyone. If you are still listening, thanks for listening and tuning in. Um, hopefully, Fazila has given some good, useful information about what's going on in the Middle East region, specifically with the ACCA, and uh, some insight about uh, being a business leader in the region. So, Fazila, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Wea. My pleasure. It's been fun. Yes. See you in our next episode.